Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. To think that I can accomplish everything that I've accomplished in my career um, and not be a student of the game and not, um, not, not have that passion and not, not take this serious is, is almost, it's disrespectful and it's, it's, almost, it's, it's almost a joke, you know. Um, it's, to me, I'm flattered, you know, I'm, I'm honestly flattered that y'all think that at my size I can go out there and not prepare for the game and not, um, you know, not take it serious. It's, 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 it's disrespectful, I feel like, to my peers, to all, the, to all the, the great athletes and great players that are in this league. Um, this game's too hard. Uh, to, to play the position that I play in this league, um, it's, it's, it's too hard. That was a little piece of the surprise press conference involving Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray on Thursday. By Thursday night, we learned that the Cardinals wisely ripped up the four-hour independent study addendum on the Kyler Murray contract, but the damage is already done. They've painted him with a brush that no one had painted him with before, the idea that he doesn't work hard enough. He didn't have that reputation. Nobody had wondered whether or not he spends enough time studying film or understanding the opposing defense or doing the things that other quarterbacks do. That wasn't a thing. That wasn't a talking point. And now, Chris... How can it not be for some, especially if he has another year that sees as the season goes on, his performances become less and less stellar? Yeah, well, yeah, it, it's it's going to be a talk, talking point. There's no doubt. Now, the and you know, like you're saying here, is the Arizona Cardinals got no one to blame but themselves. I mean, no one. I mean, it's it's crazy, you know, that they thought it's almost a little bit like. 
you know, the the drafting of Jordan Love or, you know, the we're going to go see Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, you you won't get mad, right? It's like the same type of thing to where, like, you didn't think this was going to get out. You didn't realize that this was going to become an issue. I think that's where it's like from the just the team perspective, you just go, whoa, like, what were you thinking there? You've caused this problem. You've paid this guy who you love, but now he's disgruntled and he's going to be looking out of the corner of his eye at you you know, forever now. And, and I don't know, maybe the damage is too bad to ever be repaired. And this will be the last time Kyler Murray's there, you know, as far as the, the, whenever this contract goes South or he wants a new one, but you know, just, yes, a bad look for Arizona and the way they support their quarterback. One thing I suggested on Friday while you were in your hammock with your final daddy cigar of the month, yep. or one of your final daddy cigars, as you go into a one month detox the idea that they got rid of the clause on Thursday night because there was some real noise that Kyler Murray was thinking about moving on from his agent. And if there's a new agent that gets introduced into this relationship, that person doesn't get paid until there's a new contract. It's not in the Cardinals' interest to have to deal with a new agent because if you have Murray upset, you have a new agent agitating for a new contract sooner than later, they're going to have to dig deep and pay him again. They're kind of a big mess. So I don't know whether they ripped up that clause to try to help put the fire out but again, the damage is done. And I still don't know whether they genuinely believed he wasn't working hard enough or they feared he possibly would stop working quite so hard once he got his big contract or, or plain and simple, dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things. No one in the Cardinals organization in a position to say to the owner of the team, Michael Bidwell, this is a bad idea. No one could get through to him. When you're surrounded by a bunch of people who tell you want to, what you want to hear, there will be occasions when you need to hear something else and there's no one in position to tell you. That's quite possibly the explanation for it, too. It could be, it could be all the above. I mean, it could be dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things, sure. Like, you don't need to do that or put that contract or that, that clause in the contract. But it also could be real, the fact that, Kyler Murray wasn't doing some of those things that, you know, they would like to see be done a little bit more diligently. I don't think it's crazy. I don't. But you can fix it without putting it in the contract. No doubt about That's it. I'm not thing. saying. I'm There's not another saying, way to yes, get to where you want to be. 100%. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying all of them can be true to what you're saying. They can be dysfunction right. and stupid for doing it. It, it, there, there's enough people around the league that think this is a real thing and that it's, it's real. And again, I don't think that this was just some, you know, brought up by the Arizona Cardinals on some whim and be like, let's give them this money, but let's embarrass them while we give it to them or so. I mean, I don't think that, no, I think there was some real tangible concern there. And if you talk to people in the league a little bit who know people in Arizona, it seems to be real. So, you know, that, that's where, again, He's got great gifts. We talked about it, and they obviously want to see him just bring it up another notch or another level in preparation to bring their franchise to the next level. One of the obvious consequences of what has transpired over the past week, it has sparked a conversation about whether or not Kyler Murray is being held to a different standard because he is black, and there were a couple of prominent voices that addressed that over the weekend. Let's begin with Warren Moon, who had to go to Canada for five years because no NFL team would let him play quarterback. He eventually joined the Oilers, became a Hall of Famer, one of the great quarterbacks of his era. Here's Warren Moon talking to TMZ regarding his reaction to the Kyler Murray homework clause. 
first of all, it's, it's just an unfortunate situation. It's a, it's an embarrassing situation for not only the player, Kyler Murray, but it's embarrassing for the organization to have to, to deal with this. Yeah. Um, I think it shows a lack of trust in the player that you even have to put something in a contract like this. Uh, it also is a slap in the face to all African-American quarterbacks because that's something we were always uh, uh, we were always accused of back in the day when they didn't let us play, is that we were lazy, that we didn't study, that we couldn't be leaders, that we weren't smart. So all those different things just kind of came to the surface uh, after we had put all that stuff to bed over the years and, and just because of this deal that's, that's gone on between Arizona and Kyler. So, yeah, very embarrassing and uh, – I see that they took the the clause out of yeah, his contract now, but it's too late. The damage has been done. Uh, he'll have this, you know, riding on him every time he does something wrong in a football game. They're gonna they're gonna say, see, that's the reason why that happened is because he didn't study enough film last week or whatever it might be. So, yeah, it's a very unfortunate situation for him, and a very embarrassing for both sides. See, Chris, that's another reason why there should have been somebody in the organization who was willing and able to explain to Michael Bidwell the implications of stigmatizing your quarterback in this way, given the history that Warren Moon so aptly reminded us of. Yeah. It feeds into outdated thinking. It does. It brings back to the forefront issues that most of us have just assumed are done. The issue of black quarterback versus white quarterback. No, the best guys play now. And the NFL truly seems to be, for the most part, colorblind when it comes to who the quarterback is going to be. And not that long ago, that wasn't the case. I feel like we've evolved past it. Right. But, but I think it would have been incumbent on the Cardinals, again, somebody in the organization, if not Michael Bidwell on his own, or the agent, or someone, to, to if you, as you're coming up with arguments to try yeah, to get Michael right. Bidwell to not do this thing that was very stupid, frankly, that would have been a hell of an argument to make, and maybe it was. Maybe he still didn't care. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I, you would think someone would have been able to get into his ear a little bit and explain and just go, I don't know if this is the best look for us or him or anybody. It is embarrassing. It's embarrassing to all. Warren Moon said it right. It's embarrassing for the organization. It doesn't look good on them. It is embarrassing for Kyler Murray. I know one thing I want to say that I didn't say a second ago is this doesn't mean you know he doesn't work hard or take you know the job serious or anything there either. You know, just maybe he puts more eggs into I'm going to physically you know do this in the weight room or get on the field and run more instead of putting maybe the extra egg into the you know I'm watching film right. And I, I think that's the other thing, too. I, I'm not sitting here one to sit here and think that Kyler Murray doesn't work hard. You know, you don't get that type of body and stay as explosive as he is and really have really good mechanics unless you're staying on top of your game with all those type of things and the details that it takes to, to be good at that consistently. But I think there, you know, obviously was an issue here with this one area where they want to see that go up to the next level. And Warren Moon's right. It's just it stinks because there is a stigma around – this conversation still, even though I believe you're right. I know I'm not this way. I know you're not this way. And I don't think most of the NFL is this way either. I, I think that they've moved on from the thought of the white quarterback, black quarterback, all of that conversation. And we just want good quarterbacks. Nobody really gives a damn anymore. I don't think we are there, but there are the idiot fans out there that still sometimes believe that and have those kind of, you know, I don't want to you know, racist type of thoughts. And then this feeds into that. 
And that's what's not good about it. And I think that's what Warren Moon's trying to say there. It's for that low-level fan who maybe not paying attention or just a mean person and wants to think things like that that are not true, are true, you know, to make himself feel better. Yeah, and look, it's, it's, it's not a clear, bright line, obvious type of a thing, and we have evolved past it, but it does require, I think, a level of sensitivity that the Cardinals just didn't have. Yeah. As to how is this going to look? Right. What is, how is this going and, to—and see, here's the reality. White quarterback or black quarterback, it still makes your guy look bad. Yes, exactly that, right. That's the bigger issue. Yes. You've got a relationship with this human being, regardless of his— his race, his age, or any other characteristic, you have a relationship with this guy who is your franchise quarterback, and you are going to undermine him and undermine the relationship by insisting on this clause. And he's got no other choice. I've I've been asked the question, Chris, 50 times at least over the past week. Well, why did he sign it? Why didn't he just say, I'm not signing it? I'll go ahead and and finish out my current contract. Well, he was going to make $5 million. And as we've said, somebody was going to leak to somebody at ESPN or somewhere that Kyler Murray walked away from $46.1 million a year because he refused to commit to working four hours a week. Right. That's how it would have been couched. Yeah. So he was losing either way. Yeah, that's right. You may as well take the money and lose on that point than not take the money and lose on that point. Yes, uh, agree. It's it's Again, that's a tough situation as a player. Yeah, okay, right. You know, it, there's – all right, I, I'll, I'll get the contract done. Let's move on with this. And even though that's stupid, that clause, fine. I'll deal with it. It's a lot of money, and at least I can just think about getting back to playing football. And do it. That's why you, know, you, you just swipe that under the rug if you're Kyler Murray. And then you just cross your fingers and you go, I hope that doesn't get out and I have to answer questions like this or that makes me look bad you know, sometime here in the near future. So, you know, again, it's, it's, it, there's been other quarterbacks, too, who have been questioned like this before, too. You know, I, I just would like we had we had a guy last week we were talking about Big Ben. Uh, there's there's plenty of people in football deal with if Big Ben just studied a little bit or took care of his body a little bit better, he he'd have won more than two Super Bowls. Uh, you, same thing has been said about Brett Favre. Uh, you yep. you can talk about anybody that's uh, Brett just was a little bit more into the playbook and you know meetings and those type of things. I mean, who knows what he could have done? So this goes on with everybody. Uh, but yes, there is a little bit of a stigma when it's an African American quarterback, and it's just a bad move. It's a bad look to do to somebody that you're supporting is on your team or anything that way. Another question I've gotten repeatedly throughout the course of the last week is whether or not Kyler Murray was aware of the clause. And I have the contract. His initials are at the bottom of the page, and it's the only term on that page. It's the independent study clause. It's not buried in fine print or on the back side. You know how stuff gets slipped through the yeah. five hole it's there it's the only thing on the page it's a it's not even half the page and his initials are down at the bottom next to michael bidwell so he saw it he initialed it he knew it was there and i'd like to think someone explained to him this is going to get out yeah the team's not going to leak it we're not going to leak it but it's going to get out. And I think on Monday when Eric Burkhart realized it was getting out, he decided to try to get ahead of it and and get someone to present it in a positive way yeah, with right. a spin that helped him, and it was too late for that. Yeah. It, it, it's just a, a gigantic unforced error by the Arizona Cardinals, and I doubt that any contract for any quarterback in the future will have a clause like this. Patrick Mahomes was asked the question during a press conference on Friday – whether or not black quarterbacks are treated differently than white quarterbacks. Here's the question that was posed to Mahomes and the answer that he provided. 
evaluated differently because you are a black quarterback? Um, I don't want to go that far and say that. I mean, obviously, uh, the black quarterback has had a battle to be in this position that we are, to have this many guys in the league playing. And I think every day we're proving that uh, we should have been playing the whole time. We've got guys that think think uh, just as well as they can use their athleticism. And so uh, it, it always is weird when you see guys like me, Lamar, Kyler, kind of get that on them and other guys don't. But at the same time, we're going to go out there and prove ourselves every day to show that we can be some of the best quarterbacks in the league. And, and you know, the, the, the one of the biggest reactions I saw to that comment on Friday, and it's not inaccurate, Patrick Mahomes does not get criticized. Lamar Jackson does. Kyler Murray, over the p- course of the past week, has. But Patrick Mahomes has been I, universally I would have been the first thing since he I became said. the starter yeah, in right, 2018. Right. He got criticized, I guess, a little last year. I mean, I would have been one, right? I mean, again, for his play on the football field, period. You know, so, yeah, I, I, I thought the same thing when he first said it, though. I want to be like, man, I don't know. Your first five, six years of your career, has anybody had more of, like, a bed of roses underneath them? All we've done is gush about the guy. So I, I don't necessarily agree with people being on him that way. But I will say, yes, as we were just discussing, I mean, hey, there's the fans and the haters of the world out there that are still trying to play that angle. They are. Oh, you know, Lamar Jackson, he's nothing but a running back and playing quarterback and all that. Like, yeah, well, they're idiots, most of them. They're mostly on Twitter, and most of them don't know jack diddly crap about football. I don't think those are normal thoughts within the NFL world, and I hope that's where, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the players can realize that for sure. I, I don't have any friends or any of well, he's a black quarterback. I don't know. if Not at all. Like we were just talking about, you know, NFL evaluators just want guys that – can play the position and be really good at it. We don't give a damn about the skin. Now, where they get – I feel like this conversation goes a little crazy sometimes. And, and to this point, you know, we were, with Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, you know, their whole careers, they're physically gifted. The African-American quarterback, more times than not, you know, hey, has some physical gifts that the white guy doesn't. Kirk Cousins can't afford not to know every detail of what the offense and the defense might do. He needs every advantage possible because he's not physically gifted enough, like a Lamar or Kyler, to just make it happen all the time. So, you know, I think that's where there's sometimes a disconnect, okay, a little bit to that degree. And it's not to say Lamar and Kyler Murray aren't on a lot of those aspects, but that's just something Kyle, like Kirk Cousins has to be all over, or he has absolutely no chance at all. You know, these guys are physically great athletes. And then I think the other thing when you hear sometimes from like NFL evaluators, Mike, a little bit where they go, you know, oh, you know, those types quarter, the, sometimes you know the, those quarterbacks might not scare me or whatever. Okay, whatever. Yeah, I think when you take most defensive coordinators, right. They're more scared a lot of the times of, yeah, the guy with good physical ability, but then the guy who always gets you in the right play and schematically has the code answer to ruin a defense. You know, they hey, Lamar, that scares you, all that. But at some point, they're going to go, well, he might make a mistake or fumble the ball when he runs or do something like that. The Peyton Manning, the Tom Brady effect, I think, scares more defensive coordinators because they go, no matter what defense I bring, they're going to be all over it, know what to do, all of that. And I think sometimes that's where this conversation is is all about or maybe gets a little lost in translation. I think that that what you're getting at is yeah. something that we have really locked on to with the arrival of Mahomes, although other quarterbacks in the NFL had that skill. We became more sensitive to it. The idea that the play that's called – yeah. Works or it doesn't. For some quarterbacks, if it doesn't, 
that's that. For other quarterbacks, if it doesn't, that's when it gets interesting. Right. That's when the natural ability takes over. And we've seen it with Aaron Rodgers. And you mentioned Big Ben. Hey, yeah. maybe one of the reasons Big Ben didn't study all that much is because he knew I can go out there, and if the play that's called isn't there, I can run around. Just because he Same wasn't a Brett guy Farr. that had 100 right. rushing yards a game. Yeah. Right. I can, I can buy time. Yeah. I can use my legs to buy time, and then all of a sudden we're playing backyard football, and and my receiver's going to spring wide open. He's going to come out from behind the picnic table in the backyard, and he's going to be wide open, and I'll make it work that way. Why, why do you want me to spend all this time studying film and studying the playbook when I know what's going to happen? What's going to happen is the play's either going to work or I'm going to have to save our ass by running around behind the line of scrimmage That's until I right. find somebody open. Right. And that may be what, what – it's, it's kind of like for a guy like Roethlisberger, maybe because he recognized that at the end of the day it was all what he was able to do in that moment. All that other crap was a waste of time. Yeah. Just I, a waste of time. Hey. I don't need that. That's not how I play. I'll make it happen. Hey, guys open, fine. Otherwise, I'm going to go left. I'm going to go right. I'm going to, you know, that sound you make, you know, I'm going to just, I'm just going to throw guys off of me until I have a chance to find a guy who's open. Yeah. yeah, And and no, I I think there's a lot of like quarterbacks through the history of time with great physical ability who played that way to a degree. And, you know, I think what we're saying, you know, at least NFL defensive coaches, you talk to them, the guys that are scary are the ones that can do both to what you're saying to a degree, you know? Rodgers, you know, even Manning in his prime. Hey, Mahomes, we've seen Watson do this. This Russell Wilson, guys that, oh, wait, the play that we called is broken down, and now I can make some physical, unbelievable play. But also when they also have that balance of like, hey, blue 45, oh, wait, here's the blitz. Let me get to this check here. That's when, the, that's when you become the man. And that's, I mean, that's what Mahomes is to a degree. Last year, I think he got a little bit too much into backyard football, like we broke down, and he was getting greedy and trying to make highlight throws, and he admitted it, and Andy Reid admitted it, and I was showing examples on film, on my podcast, and everything else that. So, But that's when you're the most dangerous, is when you can make those physical ability plays like you're talking about, and then also just be all over whatever the defense is going to do. And that's when you have the perfect type of quarterback uh, – and yeah, it's it's just the the whole conversation is unfortunate. But I think back to the beginning here, the biggest thing is Arizona has no one to blame but themselves for this whole conversation we're we're involved in right now. There's got to be another way to make your point without embarrassing the guy publicly and making yourselves look inept. Like, why why couldn't That's you just been they- like, hey, you know, when it's time to sit down and sign the contract, right? Like, how come like. Cliff Kingsbury couldn't have been there and the owner could have been there. You have a talk about, hey, we'd like to see you get a little bit better at this. And then maybe like, yeah, okay, Cliff, Cliff, make, hey, for an hour every day each week, you know, you and blah, 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 coach, or you and me, we're going to sit in a room and watch film. I mean, it really, that would have been okay. Just you're holding him just as accountable, if not better. He's doing it there with a coach or someone. You know, and they're going over it. I mean, there's just, uh, to your point, so many ways they could have addressed this without the way they did address it. The coach and the player are represented by the same guy. Surely they could have come up with a way to get the coach to communicate to the player what he needed to do in a very aspirational way. A challenge. It's time to take it to the next level. Hey, Kyle, you're 25 now. It's time to take it to the next level. It's time to go all in on football. Look at how good you are based upon the amount of actual study that you do. If you would... Do this like, hey, bring in Peyton Manning. 
mean, we see Peyton Manning barnstorm in here or there. Bring him in for a day and have him sit down with Kyler. And even though it doesn't have to come off as preachy, sometimes you just get the example and you see and you're like, holy crap. Yeah. Wow. I can be a lot better. You inspire. Right. That doesn't putting it in writing and, and rubbing his face in it and having it become a talking point for a week is not going to inspire anything. All it's going to do is create a wedge that may result in a divorce between Murray and the Cardinals in the next couple of years. Yeah. And I won't be surprised. But the happens. thing with Take the Burkhart and the fact that he is Kingsbury's agent and that he's is Murray's agent. See, that to me is the, the biggest thing of evidence that makes me think that it is real and that this was something talked about throughout the organization. To me, because if it was that crazy and horrible, Burkhart would, I feel like, told Kingsbury and and Kingsbury to be like, what the hell? That's going to be in here. Let me talk to the owner and all that. So that's where I come back to, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire a little bit. And again, I'm not calling Kyler Murray lazy or anything like that. I'm not. He's the man. He works hard. I know he does all of those type of things. But this was obviously something that they felt like had to be turned up a notch here in his preparation. That, that, that's just what I come away with still at the end of the day. Where, where there's smoke, there's fire, and you don't put the fire out by pouring kerosene on it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. the problem. Right. There are other more effective methods for putting the fire out, and the Cardinals would have been wise to do it. All right, we're going to take a look at some training camp storylines in the AFC East with a little grab bag. We're going to do that next on this Monday edition of PFT There is video of padded practice on Saturday, back together Saturday, back together in pads, and got a little close to Josh Allen. Got a little too close for his liking. A little push there, a little shove there, and oh, oh, Josh Allen, don't mess with the guy in the red jersey. Hey, if we want to have any shot at winning a Super Bowl, the last thing you want to do is put, is it Matt Barkley? Is he the backup? Who the hell's even the backup in Buffalo That's Case now? Keenum now, we, I believe, right? Okay, well, well, uh, I, 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 still, I still like Case Keenum. I think the Vikings should have kept him, but I digress. Josh Allen on Twitter. Man, I love football. The boys got going yesterday, and it's all love. First day of pads, just pushing each other to be great. That is all. Sure. He, he didn't like the idea that somebody took a little shot at him. Yeah. He didn't like it. And if I'm a defensive player, I'm probably a little resentful of the fact that we're here actually working and we're subject to physical risk and the quarterback gets a pass. The rules already put him in bubble wrap. We're going to keep him in bubble wrap and practice too. Hey, he's got to get ready for the season. Let's give him the business a little bit. So I kind of like that it happened and I kind of like how I reacted. I like all of it. Football is back. That's a great illustration of it yeah I'm sure that frustrates defensive players it has to there's there's no doubt but at the same time the defensive players to realize that like hey the goal is to win the Super Bowl and you will not be winning the Super Bowl if Josh Allen isn't playing quarterback for you Buffalo so you got to keep him safe it was like it was not much I mean Jordan Phillips did slow up he didn't like try to deliver the blow he made contact and I think that you know hey Josh Allen it's a few days into camp. You start to get a little, you know, restless and 
just annoyed at the world, waking up early, tired, physically tired, mentally tired. I think he probably overreacted a little bit. And like, I love the scuffle. I always love watching the O lineman jump in. But I, how do you not love Gabe Davis off the top ropes right there, followed by Stefan Diggs oh! off the top ropes? <laughs> that was to yeah. me the best part of it. <laughs> but, but that's the kind of thing that has to drive you crazy as a coach yes. because all it takes is one guy lands a little funny. And then he's got a knee issue. Right. That, that's why most coaches don't want to see this because it introduces the possibility of contact that's completely unnecessary and gratuitous and can get a guy injured. Beyond the fact that somebody's going to be dumb enough to slug you know, a, a gloved hand into a helmeted head, which is never good. We didn't see any of that yet. And we love to see – I mean, it's part, of the, it's part of the fun of training camp, but it's not fun for the coaches because they don't want to lose a guy to something like this. they got enough to worry about guys getting injured during the reps. This stuff only gets guys injured, but uh, it also gets guys a little fired up. Got me fired up. All right, let's do a little grab bag, AFC East. Take your pick. Who will emerge as the Bills' number two receiver? They lost Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders. They have Jamison Crowder and Tavon Austin. Gabriel Davis had that four-touchdown performance in the playoff loss to the Chiefs. I still think they should look at OBJ, but that's a different issue altogether. Who yeah. do you think their number two is going to be? Well, I think that you say it right, though. To me, this is like one of the biggest questions in the NFL. It's just Again, I, I'm still one that will sit here and go, man, as they put a lot on Josh Allen. They really do. I mean, the fact that we're sitting here even having this conversation right now about who's going to be the number two receiver about the Super Bowl favorite. I think it does. It says a lot. I'm going to go with Gabe Davis, though, for sure. You know, the, the, way, the way the season ended, you know, it's year three for him. This is usually the year it really can click for a receiver like that. Uh, he's got size. He's certainly going to be comfortable in the offense. But, yeah, the emergence of this number two receiver, no life without Brian Dayball and life with Ken Dorsey. You know, everybody's just putting Buffalo in the Super Bowl, and to me, those are two big questions that I still think need to be answered there. I'm going to be interested to see how that offense looks under Dorsey and, and who this next weapon can be to step up. Gabriel Davis was great as a rookie. He didn't meet that same standard for much of his second regular season, but then, pow, yeah. the four-touchdown game. And it may just be because the Chiefs, studying the film, they decided not to commit to stopping you know, hey, let's focus on Stephon Diggs yeah, and Dawson they did. Knox, and we're sure. not going to worry about Gabriel Davis. Yeah. And, and you get burned by that. Well, now, this year, there's going to be some resources devoted to trying to take him away, and we'll see if he can step into that role. But, yeah, I think it will be Gabriel Davis. I don't think you have a performance like that in one of the great games we've ever seen and have that just kind of yeah, be forgotten. fizzle out. Right. Yeah, I think, right. I think he'll remember it, and I think – the, the problem is defenses are going to remember it, so it won't be quite as easy as it was that day, but I think he'll be the guy. Buy or sell New England style. The Patriots offense will look lost at times during the preseason. Are you buying or are you selling? Remember, Josh McDaniels is gone as the offensive coordinator, and you've got a former special teams coordinator who's now the quarterback's coach. You've got a former defensive coordinator who's now coaching the offensive line. Buy or sell, offense will look lost. I'm going to say I'm going to sell that. I am. I'm not going to necessarily say that's true during the regular season. I like to see that. But one thing I can count on in New England is they're going to have their base plays, and you know they don't take the training wheels off until they feel like they've mastered riding the bike that way. So that's where I feel like, hey, I know Patricia's new to this side of the ball. Joe Judge as well, but we know the the evil dark lord is looking over all this. He's involved in this, and within their core fifteen or twenty plays, 
they're going to have that mastered. And the preseason, you don't dive too deep into the playbook to where I don't think they will look lost during the preseason. Now, week number four in the regular season, when you need some creativity and a few new curveballs and looks and things like that, that's where I question this new experiment in New England. Yeah, uh, apparently uh, some news is breaking. Uh-oh, it's ha- the, I hear your phone falling on the I – I knew you were barely listening to me, and I could tell you were looking at your phone. She has found that Deshaun Watson violated the personal conduct policy and suspended him six games. That is what the parties have been informed per multiple reports. So it's right in the range where we thought it was going to be. Yeah. And and now the question will be, what does the NFL do? Is that enough for the NFL to say, we're fine, we'll accept it, or will they exercise their prerogative to appeal, I, I don't want to completely shut the show down and focus on that. We're we're in the middle of it. What well, we you want to just finish? Let's guys. finish this and let's go around. Let's next finish segment. our thought. Yeah, next and segment, then next we segment, go segment Watson we'll, again. We'll, we'll add anything to it that we have. All right, All right. Uh, we'll be back to Deshaun Watson. But again, it's six games pending whatever further developments there may be via an appeal by the NFL. I doubt that Watson will appeal. Okay, um, the Jets. Let's do fill in the blank. The player who will create the most buzz this preseason will be. Who, Chris? Uh, I'm going to go with the quarterback here. I mean, I know there's some other great personalities there, and you know, Sauce Gardner and you know the uh, Wilson from Ohio State. They, we're all excited about it. But the man, end of the day, everybody up here in New York has their eye on Zach Wilson, and the way he ended the season, plus now being you know the milfinator and everything else to go along with it. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I had to say it. Uh, I just yes, all eyes will be on him. And I think they're going to unleash him this year. Year two, Matt, Le- Mike LaFleur, everything there to where I think we're going to see, you know, an offense that plays through Zach Wilson in the preseason. It was difficult last year for Zach Wilson to do much of anything because the offensive line was horrible. The supporting cast was less than ideal. Right. Injuries. And, and it just and it, it just seemed like, like, hey, look, not every guy is going to walk into the NFL and it's all going to fall together. It, it just seemed overwhelmed at times. And and now this year we'll see. But if he comes out and and gives us a sign that he's starting to reach toward that potential that you saw in him coming out of BYU, then I think he will create the most buzz. But but here's the other question too: How much of a chance will he have to even create buzz? How much are they going to use him in the preseason? It's yeah. so weird now with only three games I know. and teams trying to keep their guys healthy. We may not see him enough for him to create any real buzz during the preseason it, but but what question. what we may get we may get that chatter about how you know yeah oh, man he's looking pretty good yeah man, exactly he's gonna take it to a next right. level man you watch you wait and see when when week one rolls around you're gonna see a guy who comes out and takes the league by storm that that's that's the kind of buzz that we need to keep our ears open for. Uh, exactly right and usually you know usually we do hear that type of stuff and usually it does hold true to where you go, I heard a lot of chatter about him in camp, and there we are in week three or four going, hey, he's playing good so far this year. I would think we're going to see this Jets team a little bit in the preseason. I would, just to, to piggyback off your thought a little bit, just because it's a young team, 
You know, they were injured a little last year. They got to learn to play and be a little battle tested. And the the other thing, Mike, like we've talked about so many times, their schedule. They got to be ready and hit the ground running. I don't, I don't think they can be one of those teams that would be like, you know, a veteran team that knows how to play where you can just go, hey, we're not going to play you much in the preseason. And then week one comes, you guys know how to turn it on and go get it. Uh, I, I think they're, that they'll be out there a little bit getting some experience because they got to play the four AFC North teams to start the year. They, they better be ready to play football week one. All right. Uh, lastly, buy or sell, two and on style. We will see a Tua Tonga-Vailoa to Tyreek Hill deep touchdown during the month of August oh. in a game, oh. not practice, not practice, in a game. We saw one, oh. and I got to give him credit. Yep. Got to give him credit. Uncorked it and almost tried to overthrow him. Yeah. Tried to overthrow him. Good almost spiral. did overthrow Tyree Kill. Yeah. He had to really reach out to get that that ball. Uh, a far cry from the throw from the offseason program that was put on the Dolphins' Twitter page of the of the very bad underthrow. This one, a thing of beauty. Thing of beauty. Sent the crowd into a frenzy. And, hey, it's the kind of thing that if we see enough of that, if we see it in games – Makes a difference for the Dolphins. So, Chris, buy or sell? Do we see one of those in a preseason game? I, I, and this one, to me, is one of the easiest ones of all. It's buy all the way. They're going to go out of their way to make sure this happens in a preseason football game. Again, this is the continuation of the selling of Tua, Tyreek Hill, the Mike McDaniel offense. Let's get it happening in a game so we can show it on every highlight. People will shut up. It'll make Tua non-happy. Like, guaranteed, we see one during the preseason. Yeah, look, I agree with you, and there isn't a whole lot of defensive game planning that happens. That's right, too. So if you have some agenda, right. if you have some box you want to check, if you have somebody who's confident you're trying to build up, this is a way to do it. So we, we, we know there'll be a chance, and we'll take it, and Tyreek Hill runs past everyone, and Tua throws it deep, and uh, it gets everybody excited, and then we wait and see whether or not that's what happens come week one. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll gather our thoughts and take a deep breath and talk about the news that Deshaun Watson will be suspended for the first six games of the 2022 season. We'll do that next here on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Well, the news is out, and I just got the text that it's not just a six-game suspension, but also a recommendation from Judge Sue L. Robinson of no fine. No monetary penalty on top of it. Just the six-game suspension. Obviously, he'll lose the pay for those games. But remember, his salary for this year is the league minimum of $1.015 million for a player of his experience. So the financial loss, not nearly as great as it could have been. But it's all subject to the appeal. So to reset, word has gotten out. And again, I've gotten the text. It's a six-game suspension recommended by, decided by Judge Robinson, subject to appeal to the commissioner or his designee. The union has already said that they'll stand by her decision. I would assume that six games is short enough to get the union to say, yeah, we, we meant what we said. We will stand by her decision. 
The question is, in the next three days, will the NFL exercise its prerogative to appeal to the commissioner? There's no deference. There's no standard that gives her decision any special weight. He can just go in with the evidence as she determined it to be, the facts that she found, and that's why her written ruling is going to be so important. And the commissioner can say, well, you said six, I think 16, or whatever number he chooses. And again, it was the league that was pushing for 17 minimum, and the league is run by Roger Goodell. Unless it was a ploy to get her to go all the way up to six, right? You ask for a lot, and you you are happy with whatever middle ground you get. Unless it was a ploy, if he really wants 17, he has an easy way to get 17. I tell my people to appeal to me, and then my appeal decision is 17 games. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the first thing I'd say is it's a, a I mean, a, a somewhat of a victory for Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. I think to this these first, you know, this first whatever uh, uh, suspension over hearing six games. I do. I mean, that's big time. That is. And this, my second thought is just the fact that I just don't think there's any way the NFL is going to let it go six games. I just, I'm expecting to hear them up it to some, some degree, whether that's eight or 10 games. I think it will look a little egregious and unfair if they went the full season. Um, but I have a hard time again, where I think like, I don't know, I'll be interested to see where the backlash is today. I just feel like, you know, again, reading the tea leaves over the last few months, all of that. Uh, it, it seemed like friends, people I know, I mean, the majority of people seem disgusted with Deshaun Watson to a degree to where I would think we see big backlash on, on social media today. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But either way, I think this first, you know, what we're hearing today is, is a win for Watson and the Browns for sure. At the team's first open training camp of this year's preseason, yeah, Mary Kay Cabot pointed out that it was a very happy and positive reaction to Deshaun Watson but you know either the people who are inclined to be upset aren't showing up or when they're there you know you're in a group and everybody's cheering and you don't want to be the jerk I mean it's it's a tough spot to be in yes there's a certain amount of anonymity if you want to boo when you're in a crowd but you're in a crowd that's wired to be happy and if you start booing or making noises that would express displeasure that's when others are going to turn to you and say what the hell are you doing why are you even here so i don't know that that means anything i I think there are a lot of browns fans that weren't happy with what the browns did i don't think it's something that just goes away with the passage of time and again the vibe that's been emerging over the past month fueled by what happened during that three-day hearing that was the 4th of July week, how many people were really paying attention? How many people who had a pre-existing notion of what should happen to Deshaun Watson were even in a position to notice what the reporting was that week? I think there's going to be a lot of people out there who, when they hear about this, they're going to be upset. And the NFL is going to pay attention to it. And the NFL is going to make its decisions accordingly. It's got three days to see which way the wind's blowing. It's got three days to read the columns that are written by people who are either supporting the decision or opposing the decision and tying the decision back to the league or calling on the league to take advantage of its opportunity to appeal the decision to the league itself. Goodell it's it's just amazing. Goodell gives the order to one of his underlings to appeal the decision to Goodell. And what did Goodell want all along? He wanted 17 games. So if they really want to do it, they can. And I think their decision is going to be driven by how loudly 
people react to the the decision to suspend him six games with no fine on top of it? Well, yeah, I, I think the one thing that I feel good about is that the full season suspension is out the door. I just I'll be shocked if that happens. It's almost going to look the reverse the other way. I think if they're too too you know harsh on Deshaun Watson now, I think it's twelve. How about 12? I could see 10 or 12 being thrown out there by the NFL. I can. I could see Roger Goodell going that way. Yes, that, that, that I could see. You know, but I don't think it's going to be anything more than that. In fact, I, I have a hard time thinking it will be more than 10, really, right now, just off a of first original thought with it being thrown out there at six. You know, I think, again, you're going to have the conversation that, hey, he missed all of football last year. I know he was paid still, all of that. But – Yeah, that's where I'll be interested in. And then, you know, I think the other thing I just look at is go, man, first six games, okay. Now the Browns can kind of somewhat formulate a plan here. The team can start looking at it and go, oh, man, if we can just get through that first six games, three and three, four and two, give ourselves a fighting chance for when Watson gets back, watch out. We know their team is really good, so that's got to excite Cleveland for sure. But, yeah, the Goodell, him calling the other power player owners and seeing where they go – uh, that's all going to be figured out here in the next 48 hours, and I'll be interested. But I'm, I'm going to say they try to get 10 or something like that on him, Mike. There's something else he can do, and I've suggested this in the past as a potential settlement. What he could do with the final decision here on appeal, he could say six for this year plus a $10 million fine. Deshaun Watson forfeits every penny he made last year we're going to treat last year as an unpaid suspension because it essentially was paid leave and I know people say oh he he didn't play last year because he didn't want to play and the Texans didn't want to play him and the Texans were trying to trade him they couldn't do a trade they couldn't do a trade because of the off-field issue if the off-field issue isn't there he's traded to the Dolphins probably by Labor Day weekend the off-field issue kept him from playing last year so I thought of this when I was looking at the personal conduct policy five six weeks ago and it occurred to me that when a guy is put on the commissioner exempt list and if he does spend for example a year on paid leave if he's ultimately suspended without pay he gets credit for the games he missed he just has to give back the money that he made in those games so that's easy 10 million dollar fine and a six game suspension that that to me is a way and i mean it's it, deshaun watson may strenuously object to the idea that he's going to pay 10 million dollars back but that's a way to respect Judge Robinson's decision while also creating the impression that the league was sufficiently aggressive with Deshaun Watson. And here's the other side of it too, Chris, and here's how the settlements factor into this. With only one case left, and I'm going to assume, I don't know this, but I'm going to assume that, and and this goes back to the Texans settling with 30 people who had claims that were derivative of the claims against Deshaun Watson – I'm going to assume that the six who didn't sue have cut a deal with Deshaun Watson to not sue him, and it's all secret, and no one's going to tell us about it. But they would have filed by now. One of them would have filed by now. I'm just going to assume that this is it. There's one case left. But my point is this. The NFL wanted indefinite suspension of at least one year because they're afraid of what else may happen. They settle this one last case, and nothing else is going to happen. Right. It's over. Right. It's done. Right. They don't have to worry about getting embarrassed by a trial or 24 trials or 30 trials. So I, I just – again, public reaction is going to be key here. And then the league has to decide, do we appeal? And if we appeal, 
what decision do we do to put out this fire that could remind the commissioner of what happened when he was under siege in 2014 because of Ray Rice? We can't forget that. So what's your thought? What do you think? What do you think public reaction is going to be today? What do you think? It's going to be negative. It's going to be negative. It's going to be negative and it's going to be loud because people have not been paying attention like we have. People have not been studying this every news cycle, hanging on every development. I mean, that's what we do. That's why we're here. We're here to cover the story. But I know what the traffic is in July. People are doing other things. They're on vacation. They're with their families. They're not plugged in. They're not inclined to understand the nuances. They've made their decision. I mean, we live in a country where people make their decisions. They refuse to ever change their mind. Do you think that Judge Robinson's decision is going to change someone's mind who already believes he should be suspended for a whole year? You're assuming a level of reasonableness and rationality that doesn't exist in this country currently. Yeah. So I expect yeah. it to be a very loud negative reaction. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm with you there, too. I do, too. You're right. And I think the, the fact that you know people yeah, have been a little bit out of the football sports world over the last five or six weeks is going to add to the shock value today. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, base value, yeah, I think it's, it's a positive for the Browns and Deshaun Watson. They can move on and do all that. But, yeah, Roger. Not yet. Roger, Not yet. yeah, that's, that's right. They Roger can't. can convene still, and then you don't know where that's going to go. So, yeah, it's an early victory, but not, not, a, not, a, not a victory yet in, in totality. You're right. So the deadline for filing the appeal by the league to the league will be Thursday and we'll be in Canton getting ready for the Hall of Fame game. And I suspect if they're going to appeal, they're... see, on one hand, you kind of want to see how everybody reacts to it before you make a final decision, take full advantage of the three days. On the other hand, do you really want that to be an issue? You're playing the Hall of Fame game just down the road from Cleveland. Do you want to make the top story of the day on the day of the Hall of Fame game? that the league is exercising its prerogative to appeal. That's another reason why the league probably prefers that Judge Robinson would have done her thing last week, not this week. But that's what we're looking at. And by the way, if it is six, he'll miss the game against the Panthers and Baker Mayfield. Jets, Steelers, Chargers, Patriots. We're missing one. Falcons after Falcons week four at the Falcons. Thursday night game against the Steelers is at home. Uh, and it'll be Jacoby Brissett, assuming he stays healthy and reasonably effective the first two games. So they'll have a bye week nine. They've got some tough games uh, at the Ravens and Bengals, a Monday nighter against the Bengals for Deshaun Watts, and that'll be kind of his coming out party for Cincinnati, assuming he's playing then. But again, it all assumes that, that it's going to be six. I'm not ready to assume anything. We need to monitor this, and we need to wait and see what the league does, Chris. Yeah, definitely do. I don't know. We'll, we'll see where it goes. But you're right. The owners, Roger Goodell, they, they haven't had their last say yet, so we'll see here in the next 48, 72 hours. All right, our outline for the day has been completely trashed. We're going to take a break, and we will figure out during that break what we will bring to you when PFT Live returns right after this. Peter King's annual training camp tour continues. His next stop in Cincinnati, Bengals training camp. That is today. He was in Latrobe, Pennsylvania over the weekend, and he spoke to Mitchell Trubisky. You can see the interview at our new NFL YouTube page, youtube.com slash NFL on NBC. And, Chris, we've got the video posted at the site as well. I wrote an item based upon some of the things Peter said. Peter left Latrobe, Pennsylvania, under the impression that Mitch Trubisky has been told the starting job is his to lose. And that doesn't really surprise me because it's always easier to go from veteran to rookie 
than it is to tell the rookie it's your job to lose. Because once the rookie's penciled in at number one, kind of hard to pull him out of that spot if you don't want to shatter his confidence. No, no, no question. I think you're right. that It's easier to go from veteran to rookie than rookie to veteran. Added to the fact, again, too, of... You know, I think something we hit on a little bit. I thought, oh, man, you know, oh, they dropped a quarterback at number 20. You know, they'll throw him in there. But just like we talked about right after the draft, this is one scenario where, yeah, I don't think the quarterback's going to get thrown right in there. And I think the guy that they got there and Mitchell Trubisky has a lot more talent than people realize. I mean, he's he's got something to him. He can run. He was one of the better running quarterbacks in football when he was playing in Chicago. His arm is strong. Yeah, there's some accuracies and things like that that he needs to, to improve on. But still, he has some starting caliber type traits as far as a quarterback in the NFL. And that's where, yeah, I don't think it's going to be easy to dethrone him. I could see him being the starter. I could see him being the starter all year long. I can. And then, you know, after the year, they reevaluate and maybe he moves on and then it becomes Kenny Pickett's show. But uh, I certainly expect to see Mitch Trubisky week one for sure. Yeah, and. He could hold on to that job for a while because I assume it's going to be defense. Yeah. And it's going to be Najee Harris. That's yeah. one of the things Peter King said yesterday as well. Uh, one of the videos that he generated from his time in Latrobe, Najee Harris is going to be a monster this year from a fantasy standpoint. 300 carries for Najee Harris. He's going to be the centerpiece of that offense. So the quarterback's kind of the bystander in the process. Yeah, he's going to have to make them some throws at times. But it's not like it was with Ben Roethlisberger. It's nope. going to be very different. And that makes it easier for Mitchell Trubisky to hold on to the ball. He's just got to make good decisions within the framework of an offense that doesn't expect him to carry it. And if he starts making bad decisions, that's when Kenny Pickett's going to have his opportunity. And then there's the risk of injury. Mitch Trubisky got injured several times while he was the starter in Chicago. Yep. It was the injury to Tommy Maddox in September of 2004 that opened the door for Ben Roethlisberger. And he, he never looked back. That could be how it happens. At some point in the first half of the season, Trubisky gets banged up, Pickett enters, Pickett starts throwing dimes, and the fans go crazy, and Pickett's the guy. Yeah, no, I, I, it could go that way. You're right. You're right. I'm, I mean, I'm excited to see what they got all together. I mean, you explained some good things there with their offense, and Trubisky with his skill set, that's where I think their offense could be certainly more dangerous than it was the last two years with Big Ben. You know, Trubisky's ability to scramble and run – Trubisky's ability to run the ball off a quarterback design runs is not only going to be dangerous with him carrying the ball, but it's going to help out Najee Harris in the running game too. And then, you know, a good tight end and Fryermuth. And then you got the two tight, I mean, the two receivers and Johnson and Claypool that are special there to where there's a little potential for some explosiveness here with this Pittsburgh offense under Mitchell Trubisky. So, yeah, that's, I hear you. I think it will be defense, run the ball, and then. He'll make an occasional big play here and there, but I'm excited for Mitch Trubisky and what maybe this Steelers offense could look like. All right, let's take a break. More PFT Live still to come right after this. All right, some final thoughts on the Deshaun Watson suspension, at least for now. There will be plenty more thoughts articulated at profootballtalk.com throughout the course of the day. Maybe we'll do a little PFT OT based upon the developments of the day. But, Chris, one thing I'm already starting to see the comparison. Yeah. Six games for Watson, six games for his former Houston teammate, DeAndre Hopkins, who came out over the weekend and chastised the NFL's PED policy. The union has agreed to it, which puts a guy on suspension for six games for any amount of a banned substance in his system, even if he didn't intentionally take it. Six games for that. A full year for Calvin Ridley, 
who, while away from the Falcons last year, used his cell phone device to make a legal bet. For like $200, right? I mean, it was something like yeah, that, Yeah, 1500 bucks, something yeah, like that. Right. Gone for a full year minimum. Yeah, that's... You're going to see some of those things. And, and look, the, the bottom line is it's different policies, it's different issues, and PED goes to actual cheating of the game. The gambling policy goes to integrity of the game. The personal conduct policy has nothing to do with the game. The personal conduct policy is an effort by the NFL to reach into the private lives of any player, coach, owner, management, executive, anyone while they're not working and impose discipline for the things they do that the NFL otherwise shouldn't care about. So remember that. Hopkins and Ridley violated policies that are far more central to what the NFL does. The personal conduct policy is very far from the heart of the NFL's business. Yeah, that, that's going to be the, the PR fight the NFL's going to have to deal with today and tomorrow and the day after. It is. It's going to be those examples that are continually thrown out there. And you're right. They're not apples to apples. They are different contractual agreements there that are not the same. But still, it doesn't matter that the fact where – you know, this is where I just have a hard time thinking Roger Goodell and, and whoever else are going to make this a little bit more aggressive of a suspension is, is like you've been saying all along. You know, I just think it's going to become the court of public opinion and you're going to start to see social media out there and be like, you know, guy takes illegal substance, gets six game, you know, guy, you know, mistreats 30 women, still gets six game. It's going to be that type of stuff that's going to be thrown in the NFL's face constantly here the next few days to where yeah they're going to figure out how they want to look in this whole situation and that that's to me the the million dollar question of where this goes during the break i posted this question at our twitter page do you agree with deshaun watson being suspended six games in five minutes we have over five thousand votes cared up oh, uh, i don't even i was going to have chris guess no guess needed 76.1 percent do not agree and one thing I've learned about these polls, especially when you get 5,000 votes the first five minutes. Yeah, they stay. You can have you can have 5 million votes, and the percentage is going to be pretty much the same as it was right out of the gates. Yeah, that's that's a pretty big, alarming number. That's for sure. Uh, and again, I think these are people that, of course, are paying attention to your Twitter and listening to Pro Football Talk that are somewhat educated. You know, but but man, I I, yeah, I don't know, Mike. I don't know where this goes. I, I certainly don't think it's going to be six. I don't. I'm a little surprised by it, nonetheless. But as we started the show, it's kind of what I, you know, we felt like this might happen. That's one of the reasons I was like, wait, you know, Watson and their camp, they must like what they're hearing here. They're not going to appeal anything at all. You know, so they must have had a feel that four, six, eight was coming down, and uh, I'm sure they're happy with it. The full decision needs to be released. I'm poking around with both the league and the union to find out if it will be, and I've yet to get a yes. It needs to be released. It needs to be transparent. We can't have a sea change in how the NFL deals with this thing because they brushed the Daniel Snyder issue under the rug. With the Bullygate scandal in Miami, it was all released. With Tom Brady, it was all released. We need to see what Judge Robinson decided, why she decided it, what the evidence is. We need to have that out there. There needs to be full transparency. And if it's not released, hopefully it'll be leaked. But either way, I want to read the whole thing. I want to be able to understand it. People are going to be asking us, Chris, well, why do you think it was six? Well, I don't know. It depends upon what Judge Robinson regarded the evidence to be and what she thought the violation was rooted in under the personal conduct policy. Unless we see the decision, we're not going to know.
No, I, I know you're right, and I think this is one that you know to to your point there. They they can't you know hide this with this subject. They got to be transparent here. Transparent here to, to kind of ease public opinion. Uh, and and if it is you know six games or whatever that you know there's there's justified facts behind it and some some real tangible evidence behind it as well. Here's the problem. Yeah. This is the bed they made with the Snyder situation because they said it's not good enough to just change the names of the individuals who wanted anonymity. Well, the easy thing to do here in the Judge Robinson decision is to just leave the names out. That's the easy thing to do. The names of the alleged victims, you just leave them out. Jane Doe. Jane Doe 1, 2, 3, and 4. But if they do that, what happens? Some smartass like me is going to say, that's all you had to do in the Washington Commander's case. See? It works. That may be... I, I... I hate to think we're not going to see the Deshaun Watson decision for something that dumb, but that may be the reason why we don't see it. Chris. Mm. Uh, how long do you think it's going to take the NFL to to answer back with you know their their suspension? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. I think they'll do it tomorrow. Yeah, that's my guess. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll be here tomorrow to we break will. down everything that happens over the course of the next twenty two hours with Deshaun Watson and everything else. Thanks as always for some of your time. See you on Tuesday. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.